Hey, this is David Dearman. I'm the pastor at Memphis Tabernacle, and this is our podcast. I wanted to thank you for joining us today. I hope that this message inspires you and builds your faith. I hope that it gives you fresh insight and strength to see God move in your life. Enjoy the message. There's something about love, the great love of God. And I want to, uh, the text for this, I'd like for you to look on the screens or look on your notes. And I want us to read this out loud and read it all together. I promise your life is going to be changed if you can catch the revelation in your hearts about the love of our God. Not just any kind of love, but the love of God. But I want us to read this all together. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4. It says this. Ready? Read. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in trespasses. It is by grace you have been saved. This is such an important series, and I just want to urge you to to try to come for the next four to five weeks to hear this subject of love. Why? For two reasons. One is we're advancing. We're moving as a church, in a, and we're in a great season, and we want to work together, grow together in the love of God and also in all that God's doing in our lives. But number two, knowing God's love is really a key in our lives to experiencing the fullness of God in our lives. It says in the book of Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, it says, it says, to know the love of God which passes knowledge that you may be filled with the fullness of God. Which is a powerful thing. If you can know the love of God, not with your head, but with your heart, you can be able to experience the fullness of God. In fact, the verse right before it says the width and the length and the depth and the height. You really can't understand and really grasp God's ways until you understand and grasp God's love. God is love. We know the scripture. God is love. God just doesn't have love, but God is love. And the scripture says, because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive together with Christ. You know, people will say, what religion are you or what faith are you? We're not religious people. We're relational people. We don't call ourselves just a church. We call ourselves a church family. And the head of the family is Father God. Jesus said to the Jews, he said, when you pray, don't just try to use a bunch of words to pray to impress people. When you fast, don't just try to fast to impress people. And I think he would say the same thing today. When you're uh, trying to live for God, don't just do things to impress others. But when you pray, say this. And notice what he said. Our Father. Why? Because until you understand Father, until you understand the head of this family and of this church, until you understand God himself, and he identifies himself as, as not just God or judge or ruler or mighty one, but as Father. There's a tenderness with Father. He's the head of this family. I want to show you some, some pictures of my family, you know, growing up. This is this first picture is a picture of me in the white. And then that's my dad in the green. I was probably maybe, I don't know, my 20s. And then that's my brother, uh, my two brothers on either side of my dad. But my dad, he's been home with the Lord for probably 12 years now. I love my dad. I can't really think about him too much or else I'll just start crying because I love him so much. He wasn't a perfect man. He wasn't uh, necessarily, he didn't have every single thing together, but self-admittedly in his life, 
But I can tell you, he just had a pure love for us, and he had uh, something in his heart that stood for truth. He had mercy, and he had truth in his heart. I think it's two of the most powerful things that you can have. And then this next picture is a picture of Tiffany and her dad. Her dad's here on the uh, front row. They were in Lake Tahoe. John was raised in Lake Tahoe. And we were uh, on a family vacation out there. And there's Tiffany and her dad. She just adores her dad, loves her dad. A great experience with her dad. And her dad happened to come to church today. And we're praying that he'd get saved. Okay. And then the picture number three. Uh, this is Tiffany and I when we got married, and that's John, you can see, and that's Debbie, uh, you can see. They haven't aged a bit, have they? Neither have we, right? But that's uh, 20 years ago. I think they were happy to get her out of the house, okay? But uh, that, they stood with us in good times. They stood with us in hard times. They were with us. And then um, I'm going to show you this other picture. This is right before we left California. This is Tiffany and I and our four kids. We were standing at the church we, uh, we came from, The Rock, and we were standing right there in the front, right before we left church, and that's uh, Tiffany and I, of course, and there's Miles. Miles, if you know him, he's changed a little bit. There's David and Jake and Zoe. All of them have grown up. They're two years older from that picture, but they're standing with Dad. They're standing with Mom. And that's our family. Now, you can take those pictures down. I know some people will look at that and will say, yeah, that's nice for you. I don't have that. But can I tell you, God didn't jip any one of us. He's a father in heaven that says, if you don't have a father, I'll be your father. That's a good deal. He says, if you don't have that relationship, I'll be your father. And so there, none of us need to feel left out. Now, I had the good, a good display of a father, but I've also known of people who haven't had a good display of a father that have been able to be very close to Father God in their lives, but they have had to open up some things and allow trust to happen. Fathers provide strength. Fathers provide security. Fathers uh, provide uh, identity. Do you know, in counseling, people will say, a lot of the people who struggle with identity, who I am, what, they didn't really have that father who could put identity in them and, and, and tell them who they were. I know that growing up, my dad would tell me all the time, we don't do that. We do this. And I'm talking about, we wake up and we read our Bibles. He would say that. And I'd say, I don't. And he'd say, well, yes, you do. Now, he would speak that into my life. And he would display that in my life, even if it was just a few, I'm not talking about for hours, but even if it was just a, a little bit, you know, of time in the mornings, he would give his time to the Lord. Work, work you know, full-time job outside, retired after 30-some years and such. But my dad would say, when, when I would get some income or get even a birthday present or something, he would say, hey, we tithe. That's what we do. And I said, Dad, it's for my birthday. It's increase, isn't it? <laughs> dad, you know. Or I'd get a watch, someone would give me a watch or something. He'd say, how much is that watch worth? Oh, I don't know, 50 bucks or something. Tithe on it. That, that's, just, that's just my dad. He taught us to do it. But because of that, I've never, ever lacked a day in my life. Why? Because my dad taught me security. He taught me strength. He taught me how to give. He taught me how to love. He taught me how to, he taught me how to love the person that was on the street. And he taught me how to love the person that was rich. In, in mansions and homes. And I love them both the same. Where did I learn that? I learned that from my dad because my dad would say, hey, if it wasn't for God, we'd be there. So you can't treat someone like you're trying to just give them benevolence like you're up here and you're trying to do a No, no, no. You are them. They're your brothers and sisters. They're people just like you are. And God doesn't love you more than he loves them. 
But where did I learn that? I learned it from my dad. My dad provided strength, security, identity, belonging. Many people who struggle, they've been missing a father in their lives. But can I tell you, God wants to be your father. So today, the very first message of great love is I'm going to talk about a father's love. And I'm going to give you three points about a father's love. In John chapter 3, verse 16, we all know the scripture. It says, for God so loved the world. Say it with me. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. I think we could say, for the Father so loved the world. Because he's talking about giving his son. The Father so loved the world that he gave the only thing he had. He gave the only son that he had. So that whoever believed in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. And then in 1 John chapter 4, verse 10, it says this. Listen, it says, this is real love. Not that we loved God or the Father, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Something I love about God, he doesn't just ask us to do something for him. He comes and says, no, that's not where love starts. Really, our love for God is just a response. It's like throwing a ball at the wall. It's a ricochet back at him. Anything that we give to God is only because he's first given to us. In this is love. He's saying not what you can do for God, but what he's already done for you. There's three points I want to give you about a father's love. A father's love. Number one is a father's love, and you could write this in, provides everything you need. A father's love provides everything you need. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 25, Jesus is teaching about the heavenly Father, and he says this, Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. What is he saying? He's saying the birds of the air, I hear them every morning. I hear the birds chirp, 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 chirp. Four or five in the morning, they're, they're, they're chirping. And he's saying, they're eating. They're not dropping to the ground. The Father is feeding them. And listen, they don't sow or reap. They don't do anything for God. They don't gather into barns. They don't even ask God for food. But what happens? The Father loves the birds so much that he feeds them. And then he says, are you not of much more value than the birds? How much more does the Father love you if he'll feed the birds? How much more does he want to feed you and take care of you? So because you have a Father, don't worry about your life. Don't fret that you're going to run out. Don't think you're going to come short. You won't. The Father will take care of you. He says, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And what's the answer? Yes. We're of more value than they. And then in verse 31, he says, therefore, do not worry saying. <laughs> worry speaks, doesn't it? Sometimes when we get worried, we want to say all the things that we're worried about. He says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles, the Gentiles are the people without God. He says, after all these things, the Gentiles seek for your heavenly Father. I want you to notice what he calls God. He does, just doesn't say God knows. And I know sometimes we'll say, well, God, the Lord knows. Well, God knows. Jesus said, your father knows. Why? Because when you say your father, it puts it into a different context. A father will never let his sons and daughters go hungry. 
A father will never let you go underneath. A father will never watch opposition come against you and he doesn't stand up for you when you call out to him. Your father loves you this morning. He says, therefore, don't worry saying, what do we eat, what do we drink, what do we wear? After all these things, the Gentiles seek your heavenly father knows that you need all these things. I want you to notice that he acknowledges that you need things. It doesn't say, sometimes we don't talk the way Jesus talked. Sometimes we say, your heavenly father knows you don't need that. But notice what Jesus said. Your heavenly father knows you need those things. See, the father's not trying to take from you. The father's not trying to get from you. The father's trying to get to you. The father's trying to love you and, and lavish you with his love. Pour out his love on you. This is the heavenly father. Whether you've had a good experience with an earthly father or not has nothing to do with it. The heavenly father wants to lavish his love on you. And according to this verse, take care of you materially. Take care of what you eat and you drink and where you live and your clothes. He wants to love you. God wants us to know that we are valuable to him. He doesn't want us to worry about a thing. It was just a few weeks ago that... Uh, I was driving my car and I was driving my kids to school and I dropped off two of them and I was on my way to drop off the other, my other son, my youngest son uh, at school and all of a sudden my oil light went off. Now, I know you car people are going to uh, judge me. Don't judge me. <laughs> Let me just tell you, I've driven a new leased car for many, I mean, uh, several of them for years and years and years. This is the first time I've driven like a <laughs> don't roll your eyes at me. <laughs> it's the first time I've driven a used car, an old used car. It's not real old. It's about 10 years old, so I guess it's old. But um, I was driving along, so I'm not used to checking the oil and checking those kinds of things. I mean, I change the oil every three to 4,000 miles or whatever it is. But, um, but I didn't check the oil, and all of a sudden, I'm driving along, and the oil light comes on, and it says, low on oil. And, you know, I'm like, okay, well, I'll drop off the kids, and I'll put more oil in it, right? And then it says, Low on oil, you know, 30 seconds later, low on oil. And then it starts going low, low, low. So my son's like, Dad, what do we do? I don't know. Let's drop you off at school and I'll run right to the gas station. We were right by there. Before we got to his school, all of a sudden the car just shut off. It just stopped. But just in time that I pulled into a gas station, okay? So I pulled into a gas station. And when I get there, I, I you know, I, I opened up the hood. I checked the oil. And I realized, man, I was really low on oil. And I felt, you know, bad. And I said, it's no problem. Uh, let me just get some oil. I'll put it in. We'll get everything okay. And I realized, oh, I forgot my wallet. <laughs> I asked my kids, do you have any money? They usually have more money than I do. You have some money? No, Dad, I don't have any money. You know, oh, man, you know, so I sat there, and I tried to call Tiffany. Tiffany was in an appointment doing something. The other kids are in. So I didn't know what to do. I thought, I don't know how to get home. I guess I could take an Uber home. And I just stopped, and I asked Father God. I said, God, I don't know what to do. I'm sorry for running out of oil. I don't know what to do. All of a sudden, I mean, immediately, a truck pulls up, just out of the blue. Truck pulls up, and he goes, hey, do you need anything? And I said, oh, I was embarrassed, you know. <laughs> Ran out of oil. And, uh, and he goes, oh, do you need me to put it in for you or what? I said, I don't have any money to put it in. I, you know, I, I, uh, and he goes, oh, he jumps out of the car, checks the oil for me. He said, yep, 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 you're low on oil. He said, uh, do you need some oil? Yeah, I, I forgot my wallet at home. He goes and pulls out. He had oil in the back of his truck, came and put it all in for me, checked it again, said, you should be all good. He said, by the way, God bless you. God loves you. <laughs> 
I said, he loves you too, brother. Thank you. I said, what can I do for you? Can I give you something back? He said, no, 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 no. Just take it as from God. And he, he drove off and went, walked away. Can I tell you, those kinds of things happen. I hear those testimonies all the time. But you know what that was? That was father. My earthly father's gone. But my earthly father, if he drove up, he would take care of me. He wouldn't have any problem with paying for the oil and doing what he did. But my heavenly father's looking down. Saw, ah, the boy ran out of oil. <laughs> he needs some help. <laughs> and he sent a guy. Uh, you know, I, I called Tiff. I said, I, I, I could swear an angel visited me today. This guy, he came and the way he looked at me and said, God loves you. I said, can I do something for you? No, no. This, this is from God. And he drove away. One of my favorite stories is from um, George Mueller, who was uh, uh, the head of an orphanage of 300 kids. And can you imagine trying to feed 300 kids? You know, I feel like sometimes it's hard to feed four kids. <laughs> but trying to feed 300 kids, and he's out there on the mission field trying to feed them day and night. All of a sudden, he, he, they would come before every meal. They would thank God for their meals, and God would supply. God would take care of them. George Mueller gets to, they woke up one morning for breakfast and the kitchen staff said, we don't have any food for them, what do we do? He said, well, he remembered the feeding of the 5,000, he remembered some of the miracles. He said, have all the children, you know, go into the cafeteria or go into the eating area and they all went in. He said, now let's just stop and thank God for food. They had no food, no food. Let's stop and thank God. Let's thank Father for food. These are orphans. Didn't he say he'd be the father of the orphans? Let's thank the Father for food. Thanking him for food, just a, a couple minutes later, a knock comes on the door. Opens up. He says, hi, uh, Mr. Mueller, I'm, I'm a baker, and uh, I couldn't sleep all night. I don't know what it was. I just I felt like I needed to bake all night, so I have all these baked goods. Do you need any baked goods? He comes, and it was just enough to feed all these orphans, okay? Brings, brings them all in. They didn't even know there was a lack. They didn't even know there was a need. Right when he's putting all the food in front of him, another knock on the door. It's the milkman. He broke down right outside of their door with, with all the milk in his truck. He didn't want it to go bad. He says, hey, I broke down, and uh, do, do your kids need milk? Every single one of the 300 were taken care of. And George Mueller tells these stories of how God takes care of the orphan. God takes care of the widow. God takes care of the people that are out there. But... But the great thing is every one of us are God's children. He's no respecter of persons. Whatever you're going through, whatever crisis, for me it may have been my stupidity in running out of oil and God still took care of me. For you, it might be your stupidity in something else or it might just be you, you just ran out. You don't know what to do. Can I promise you if you'll call out to Father God according to Jesus here in Matthew chapter 3, he'll take care of you. Do not worry, saying... Everything you need will be take, taken care of. The needs of this church. When I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, you know, coming to Memphis, I, I don't know, I don't have a lot of contacts or resources, but there's so many times we've come right up to a, a situation, a point, and all of a sudden I get a call right when we have the need, and the two match up, and they, it just works out. So much of the time that I look and I, I have to laugh about it. I say, can you believe that? And I say, joking sometimes, what a coincidence. Because we all know that coincidences don't, don't just come every day. 
But God happens to work things out every time we bring it to Father God. I want to promise you God's going to take care of your need as a father. God's going to take care of our need as a church. Number two, the father's love or a father's love never, listen, gives up on you. A father's love never gives up on you, no matter what you do. I want to read the story on these next two points of the prodigal son. Luke chapter 15, Jesus says, he tells a, a, a story. He says, there was a man who had two sons. Can you say two sons? He had two sons. Listen. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided the property between them. And not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off to a distant country, and there squandered the wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's higher servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, I want you to notice his posture to his father. Father, I've sinned against heaven, against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Listen to that statement because I think that's the statement that a lot of us deal with. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Why? Because they're so aware of how much they did it wrong. They're so aware of what the decisions they made that were the wrong decisions. And he says, my decisions, my decisions don't deserve your love, your favor, and your fatherhood in my life. I'm no longer worthy to be in your family. It says, so he got up and went to his father. Listen to this. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son. He threw his arms around him and he kissed him. The father didn't say, yeah, I'll wait. You know where home is. When he needs something, when he's hungry. No, the father was looking down the road. And when he saw him from a long ways off, he said, I think that's my son. And he began to run toward his son. There's people I know in this room today that God wants to run. As soon as he sees you glance in his direction, he's going to go running after you. He loves you. Wants to be a father to you. He wants to show you love that you don't even understand. That's why the Bible says the love of God passes understanding. See, the, uh, the, the love we understand is I did this, so you're going to do that. I loved you, God, so you're going to love me. But he says this is real love. Not that you did anything for him. But that even when you were sinners and you turned your face from him and you turned away from him, he still loved you just as much without throwing it up in your face. That's the love of the Father. He says, he wrapped his arms around him and he kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and earth. I'm not worthy to be called your son. See, he thought of the scenario and he said the scenario to his father. Listen to his father's, 
response. He says, I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son, verse 22. But the father said to his servants, didn't even say something to his son. He looked at his servants. He said, quick, bring the best robe. Put it on him. When you turn away from God, what does God do? He gives you the best. He covers you with righteousness. He covers you with healing. He covers you with deliverance. He covers you with blessing. He pours hope into you. He will not let you fail. The only one who will let you fail is yourself. He says, bring the best robes. Put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And bring the fat calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate for this son of mine, listen, this son of mine was dead and he's alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. So they begin to celebrate. Notice, no guilt trips. No I told you so's. It's all party. It's all fun. My son's back home. My son's back home. Let's throw a party. You know what, what, it, what it's like when you run back to God and you've been walking away from him? He throws a party. He's so excited. My son's back home. There's times that I've had detours in my life. I've never really walked away from the Lord long term. But there's times I've had detours in my life and I've walked away and I've tried to walk away from God. I've tried to deny the Lord and go a different direction. I've tried to. But every time his love got me, his love picked me off. He reminded me how much he loved me. When I'd call out to him and I'd say, God, I need you. I'd hear my father in heaven say, I love you, son. It, it wasn't just that he took me back. It was the way that he took me back. It wasn't just accepting me back in the house. It was the way that he accepted me back with no judgment. With no, I told you so. I already knew how bad I was. Compassion, mercy, that scripture says, the first one. Because of his great love, he's rich in mercy, even when we were dead in trespasses. Romans 2, 4, it says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin. It's not his hammer. It's his hand. It's his love. His love is there to turn you from your sin. And then number three, the Father's love demands our love for others. The Father's love demands our love for others. It's not just about me and God. It's about me and God and you. God will never let our relationship just be about you and him. He says, you can't say I hate my brother and say I love God. Why, it doesn't work. You can't kick my kid and say that you love me. We're linked. We're together. The man came up to him and he said, tell me what the greatest commandment is. He asked for one and Jesus gave him two. He says, what's the greatest commandment? And he said, love God. And the second's like it, love people. Why? Because you can't talk about loving God without loving one another. And the story continues here in Luke 15. He says, meanwhile, the older son was in the field. This is the prodigal son. But the older son 
was out in the field when he came near the house and he heard the music and he heard the dancing and the partying going on. And he called one of his servants and asked him, what's going on? Your brother's come. And he's replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. And the older brother became angry. Not happy he's back. He did the wrong thing. He didn't make decisions, the right decisions. He's paying for those decisions. He's reaping what he sowed. Why are you going to come kill the catted calf for him? Notice this. So his father went out and pleaded with him. Father left the party and went to the other son and said, Son, this brother of yours left. Now our family's back together again. Don't be angry. Don't be angry. He went and he pleaded with him. He took time, pleaded with him. But he answered his father and he said, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you. You never, never disobeyed your orders, but you never even gave me the young goat so that I can celebrate with my friends. But when the, this son of yours, notice, this son of yours, I'm not going to claim him as my brother. This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home and you kill the fat calf for him. My son, the father says. Notice he had two sons. My son, you are always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate. Not only the father had to celebrate. But he says, son, we have to celebrate. It's not just about the father being excited. He says, son, we have to celebrate when someone comes back home. And we can't be jealous of them. Everything I have is yours. We have to celebrate. He says, and be glad because this brother of yours, notice, not just mine, but yours. He's saying, the brother that came home is yours. This brother of yours is alive again. He was dead. He was lost and he's found. The points in this is that the father took time and pleaded. He was in the midst of the party going on, but he stopped and he went and talked to the other son. He told him, there's something about the family that I love. He spoke to resentment. He spoke to insecurity. He spoke to the feelings of being overlooked. Do you ever feel overlooked? Father spoke to those and said, you're not overlooked. Everything I have is yours. He says, we have to celebrate, not just me, but us, why we're family. 1 John 3, 1 says, what marvelous love the Father has extended to us. Just look at it. We're called children of God. That's who we really are. That's who we really are. Father, I thank you for your love here today. Some may be in here who've turned from you, and others may be in here who can feel good or comfortable about their own righteousness and how they've served you. But in any case, Lord, you love us all. And I pray for those who have wounds, father wounds. Lord, we give you those things right now. In fact, would you do this with me? Would you open your hands? Would you say, Father, I give you every hurt. Maybe I'm hurt at my father. I forgive right now. Maybe I, I am a father, but I've been an idiot. <laughs> I ask you to forgive me for that right now. And I come and I accept you as my heavenly father. Can we do that right now? I accept you as my heavenly father. I receive you as my heavenly father. 
We receive you today. We receive your love. We receive your grace. We receive your mercy. We receive your help today to help in our time of need. We thank you, Father, for your great love with which you loved us. In the name of Jesus. I want to tell you one more story, and that's just my dad before he went home to be with the Lord. My three brothers were all strong, and uh, we moved across different places. And my dad would always, first thing he'd always say to me when I'd call, I'd say, hey, dad, how are you doing? And he'd say, have you called your brothers? And I'd say, well, dad, no. They haven't called me either. Dad, I'm the youngest. I mean, shouldn't they call? Ah, don't worry about all that. You need to stay tight to your brothers. I'd say, why? Because God called us in the same family. He called us together. Call them and encourage them. I'd say, Dad, they should be calling and encouraging me. I think, you know, I think that sometimes. Don't think that way. Come and encourage one another. I could still hear my dad today because there's sometimes where I'll go a month without my, my brothers or I talking on the phone. And I'll hear my dad's voice. Call your brothers. And I'll just pick up the phone and call them. Many times leaving a voicemail. And just say, hey, brother, I just wanted to let you know I love you. And uh, I just thank God for you in my life. Just wanted to say hi. No pressure to call me back. Just wanted to say hi. That's pretty much all it is. Why? Because uh, I just want to let them know I love them. The love that God's calling us to as a body is that kind of love. Why do we come to church? Not because, you know, because I need to be there this morning. Sometimes you come, the Bible says that you come together. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves the manner of some as you see the day approaching. But you come together to give to others a psalm and a hymn and a spiritual song and a prayer and an encouragement and a love for one. Well, I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. And if you did, I'd like to ask you to subscribe to our show. That way the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. God bless you and I'll see you next time on the Memphis Tabernacle Podcast.